What is up, college football fans? It is MJ Newsom back here. With another week in review podcast. We got week 11 this week, and man, each week, college football just continues to get more and more crazy. Um, we got a lot of crazy things to talk about, a lot of, a lot of things bounced around in the rankings. This might be the craziest college football season I've ever witnessed. Um, and we got just the best of it to come. Uh, so let's get going with our top talks, starting with the craziness. Oklahoma upset on the road versus Baylor, 27-14. to 14. I'm sure if you guys tuned into that one, you saw the field storming controversy. Uh, the Baylor fans stormed the field. The second left didn't realize, I guess, there was a second left. Lincoln Riley got superheated. Then Baylor proceeds to kick a field goal and make it 27-14. You know, crazy stuff. But it, the crazy thing was that Oklahoma lost, and that's, you know, what – it's starting to make this whole playoff picture just look more and more whack. Uh, we saw Spencer Rattler come into the game this weekend. Uh, this Oklahoma quarterback controversy, it's really, really crazy. Uh, I'm not sure which direction it's headed into. You know, I was really feeling strong about Caleb Williams for a while, um, but I don't know anymore. Uh, we'll see what happens as the season goes forward. Uh, Michigan escaped with a big win against Penn State. Um, needed that win to keep their playoff dreams alive. Got a 21-17 win. Um, so big one for them. And the Ole Miss defense comes up huge against Texas A&M. That pick six late in the game. Back-to-back picks for Ole Miss late in the game against A&M. Uh, Ole Miss really looked like a very complete team this weekend against A&M. Um, one of the better games I've watched this season. Um, so big-time stuff. So let's get to my biggest disappointment. I mean, I haven't tallied up how many times this team has been a bit my biggest disappointment, but I want to say it's close to, like, five. Take a wild guess, everyone. Horns down, it's Texas. <sighs> Texas lost to Kansas this weekend, if you didn't, didn't see that. 57-56 in overtime. The Jayhawks went for two, converted in overtime. The Jayhawks had a big lead, too. <laughs> this is on the road at Texas, by the way. Um, and Texas came back, but... Didn't get the win. Steve Sarkeesian, the first Texas coach to start his tenure four and six. Guys, let's let's not forget Texas started the season four and one. Four and one should have moved to five and one if they didn't have an epic collapse against Oklahoma. Anyways, they did, and it's gone downhill since there. Um, Texas has got to get things in order. Got to get their ducks in a row. Um, not not a good look. Um, for Sarkeesian or for Texas. And I, I'm a big Sark advocate. I like the way he coaches. I like the way he thinks. Um, but clearly something is just not right at Texas right now. Um, they look good to begin with, um, but things are just a little bit disheveled right now. All right, let's get to the, the, excuse me, the discussion section. Um, and really this is a lot, of, a lot of playoff talk as we're getting closer and closer. Let's start with the Big 12. Um, is the Big 12 eliminated from playoff contention is the question. Um, I want to be straightforward right now, and I'm going to say it's not looking very good. I thought Oklahoma was really their best chance. It's clear the committee has not valued Oklahoma so far this season. You know, an undefeated team sticking them at eight behind one, two, three, four, five one-loss teams uh, and an undefeated group of five team. Um, it's, so it's clear that the, uh, the committee is not valuing the Big 12 at all with Oklahoma being their best team and still not sticking them up there high. And now they've lost, it's, it's not looking good either. Um, the American Conference in Cincinnati, the Big Ten, the Pac-12 in Oregon, and a two-loss SEC team in Bama, in my mind, all have an upper hand on the Big 12 right now. 
I think the committee values all those teams ahead of Oklahoma, which is it's clear they do because they've ranked them higher. Uh, but now with a one loss, I mean, I, I don't know where they can go from here. Um, so obviously the Big 12 is going to need a lot of help. Um, so obviously I think a lot of things have to happen. I think some things will happen. Uh, we'll get to that later in the playoff picture section. Um, but I think whoever it is, Baylor, Oklahoma, or Oklahoma State, they have a shot if they win the conference. Um, I want to say right now the best bet for the Big 12 going to the playoff is Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's been a steady team all season. Um, they've played well. They've played consistently. Uh, they lost one game against Iowa State, 24-21. I'm not saying that's a good loss. It's not the best of losses, but Iowa State's not the worst of teams. They haven't played well this season. They're 6-4. and four. I just lost to Texas Tech, which is not the greatest thing in the world just after they fired Matt Wells a few weeks ago. But I'm not saying that I would say it's a terrible team. They got a great coach, got great players, but still, Oklahoma State should have won that game. However, it seems to me that the committee is valuing Oklahoma State more than they are Oklahoma when it comes to the one loss. Then Baylor, obviously, with a two loss, I'm not saying it's impossible. Uh, It's going to be tough, but now that we went over Oklahoma – you know, it looks better, even though the committee does not exactly value Oklahoma, you know, the same way they value, I guess, Cincinnati and Georgia, the only two other undefeated teams. So I think, obviously, the Big 12 is going to need a lot of help if they want to get in the playoff discussion. Um, and I think that help could come, but I think it's, it's going to take a little bit. Um, so let's go down south now to the Florida Gators, and we got a lot of question marks surrounding this program right now. And it's something that really didn't catch my eye until a couple weeks ago. Really, the, the LSU game is when it really kind of woke me up. Like, what's what's going on with Florida? They started the season really, really strong. Um, they looked very nice. Um, nothing seemed to be bad. And, they, you know, they hosted Alabama. Um, Powell came back and knocked them off. And we were like, okay, this Florida team really is pretty strong. Like, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the SEC. Um, and obviously, that is just not true anymore. Um, by any means. Um, they've had some pretty brutal losses. The Kentucky loss now is not a good one. It looked like a pretty good one when they were 6-0, and but Kentucky is now just absolutely tanked. Um, LSU, eh, not a great loss. Um, sure, they played Bama close. Uh, I don't think Bama's as good as it had been in the past, but that's another conversation for another time. Georgia, obviously, 34-7, like, is what it is. But South Carolina, 40-17, to and then this past weekend, Sanford University, hometown team in Birmingham, Alabama, of my hometown. Both my parents graduated from there. Go Bulldogs. Uh, shout out to Michael Vice for the big 60-plus yard touchdown reception. Um, Got to love the stiff arm. Got to love the little dance in the end zone. Big-time stuff. And I'm not dogging on Sanford. Sanford is a strong program in the FCS. Not having the best season this year, but they win a lot of games each year. Uh, but it's still an FCS opponent near the Florida Gators. And Sanford was – whipping them around for a while on the road. Um, I'm sure it's all Michael Vice. Obviously, that man is a killer. We, we've seen him on the court and on the field his high school days, and he's doing fantastic things at Sanford. Uh, but aside from that, you know, Florida just was getting whipped around. Uh, they ended up winning 70-52. to 52. Um, And then how about the celebration in the locker room afterwards? I mean, I'm not saying you can't celebrate a win, but – they were acting like they just won the SEC championship game after they beat Sanford by 18 at home when they were losing, I want to say losing at halftime or tied. I mean, that's just that's not good. I mean, maybe you're excited you want a game to save Dan Mullen's job right now, but it's, it's not 
not the kind of thing you should be celebrating like that. And I think the biggest thing, the biggest problem, I've said it since day one with Florida, is they really just cannot decide on the quarterback situation. I get it. Emory Jones has played a lot more snaps than Anthony Richardson, and Richardson's been hurt. But they still haven't, like, definitively made up their mind of who's who's the quarterback. And I think that really, like, internally disrupts the flow of the offense. It disrupts the play of both Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson because every time they go out there, they feel all this pressure, like, I got to prove all this. You know, I got to prove myself the starter. And we're in we're week 11 now. Like, you got to make up your mind who your starter is. You got to go with someone and roll with them. It looks like Georgia's done that. I mean, you know, JT Daniels, fantastic quarterback. Stetson Bennett has been planned for him because JT's been injured. I don't think Georgia's going to change. Georgia's got a great thing going. I don't think they want to mess up what they have. They made a decision and stuck with it. Dan Mullen's got to figure that out. I mean, at this point, it's too late. I mean, they're just trying to play for another win and get bowl eligible. Missouri and Florida State coming up. I'm not even sure that this they can win both those games. Um, and the problem, too, is they, like I said, disrupting the flow of their offense. They have no run game. Zero. They're Emory Jones, who... I, I guess is their starter. He started most of the games. Um, leads the team in rushing with 629 yards. It's pretty pathetic when your quarterback leads your team in rushing. I get it. He's a bit of a dual threat quarterback, but 629 yards rushing on the season, like as your leader, I mean, you got to find a running back that can produce more. I mean, that's the biggest thing for me. And then you got this internal strife with a lot of the coaches. I mean, you look at Todd Grantham getting fired. Mullen and Grantham have been together for a long time. We're together at Mississippi State. Um, brought him to Florida, has done a pretty good job in my mind, and then, bam, gone. Now, I want to say there's something more in there uh, besides just poor performance. Um, so there's a lot of things going wrong in the Florida program. I'm not really sure Mullen survives this season, um, but we'll see. Uh, he's had a lot of success in the past. You know, Obviously, SEC uh, runner-ups last year went to the championship game. Um, but we'll have to just kind of see where it goes. In Florida, I mean, that'd be a big job opening too, and that's a really big competition there with LSU in the in the SEC. Not to mention USC out west. That's a big job as well. All right, so enough about Florida. Let's get on to the hardest topic right now, and that's the playoff prediction. I'm going to do one of these each week. Um, but man, it's hard. It is hard. There's just in my mind no clear like six teams to choose from right now. Um, Obviously, the clearest is Georgia. Georgia, if they're going to make the playoff, there's there's no telling. I would say their percent chance to make it is like ninety nine, ninety seven. I don't know. Be a little bit generous. Um, so Georgia obviously is going to end up on top. In no particular order. Just trying to put the rest of the four teams in there. And man, this is really hard. I've got Michigan, like I said last week, winning the Big Ten. I think they're the most solid and most consistent team in the Big Ten, and I think that's when I, how they're going to beat Ohio State. Um, so I've got them. And then the question is, where's three and four? Um, I truthfully do not think Cincinnati uh, is winning the conference. I think they're going to lose to Houston. Knocks them out. I don't think Oregon's going to win. I'll go ahead and say it real quick. My bold prediction of the week. Utah's going to upset Oregon this weekend. I don't. Oregon has looked really, really shaky to me. Utah... Kyle Whittingham just has his ways. I'll just say that, especially at home. Uh, so Oregon could be an interesting could be an interesting game this Saturday. So I don't think Oregon's going to make it. Then you get down to Notre Dame. Notre Dame's likely going to finish the year 11-1. But if Cincinnati ain't making it with one loss, Notre Dame ain't making it with one loss. Notre Dame lost to Cincinnati at home. So, I mean, if, if the committee values head-to-heads in any way, like they said they do uh, with 
Ohio State and Oregon. Um, don't really do so with Michigan State and Michigan, but that's beside the fact. Notre Dame ain't getting in. Like I said, I don't think the Big 12 really has a shot because I don't think the committee values them that much. So it all kind of comes down to this. And I said last week, two lost teams making the playoff. I, I still believe that, and I think it might be two. Um, I think Bama's going to get in with two losses solely because the committee values them. They know what they've done in the past. They've put them in the playoff in the past with one loss, and they've been able to win the national championship without winning the SEC championship game. And then you look at Ohio State, the other two lost team that I think right now could sneak its way in. Same deal with Bama. They value Ohio State. They value the program tradition and the way they've – they value the way that they have played in the past. Um, And I think that Ohio State, because of that, is going to get that fourth spot right now. Um, It's it's a very, very hard prediction. It could be very, very wrong. But like I said, I'm banking on the fact that Cincinnati loses and Oregon loses. And then there's this question, does the Big 12 get in? I don't think they do. It's a crazy year of college football. already gave you the bowl prediction with Oregon getting upset against Utah. So let's finish up with the awards of the week. Team of the week, I alluded to them earlier in the top talk, Ole Miss, just a complete game from them. Corral didn't even put up flashy numbers. It was really that land shark defense um, that made them go crazy. Uh, Just a lot of good stuff from Ole Miss. And then player of the week, James Cook from Georgia. Uh, Really, really phenomenal game for him against Tennessee. That was a game that I had to keep my eye on a little bit because Tennessee's been looking pretty decent as of late. Um, but James Cook, man, 10 carries, 104 yards, two touchdowns, had a receiving touchdown as well. Uh, big stuff there for the dogs. Stetson Bennett obviously producing a little bit there, 213 yards and a touchdown. He's really been kind of the heart and soul of that offense along with Zamir White, James Cook. Um, so Georgia obviously still rolling. Uh, we'll look to see how things shape out in the next few weeks. We'll be back with you next week. Uh, actually, we'll be I want to say on the road. I'll be back in Birmingham, Alabama next Monday doing this podcast. Getting to go home for Thanksgiving, so it'll be a lot of good good times there. Um, So I'll give you that podcast from that location. Um, And I'll see you back after next weekend um, for another week in review. And then we got Rivalry Week coming up. Um, Should be some good stuff um, coming your way. Keep you posted.